Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Chrissy. And this is Beth Ann. And today we are really excited because we're speaking with our friend, our CTC board president and a Downingtown Area School District parent, Dan Brady. And Dan, we want to welcome you to our Parent to Parent podcast series. And we wanted to talk today uh, with Dan um, about his involvement with CTC. Um, and why he um, has been part of CTC now for quite a few years as a board member and now as our incoming board president and why this work is so important to Dan and his family and also to our community. So Dan, welcome. Thanks for joining us so early this morning with coffee in hand. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Um, so Dan, a good place to start would be, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your kids since you are a Downingtown parent and family? Sure. Um, I'm just, I'll start with like my, my, my grown up life with my children. Um, I am married and my wife and I have three children. Um, one is now in college. She graduated from STEM two years ago. Uh, we have another one who is a rising senior in high school. She actually goes to a private school outside of the district. And then our youngest just started uh, seventh grade at DMS yesterday. Wow. It goes by fast. First day of school. Yay. Uh-huh. Yes. Very exciting. And so, and you Very guys have been, have you guys been in the downtown school district for all? years pretty much for the most part we actually moved so i um, moved into the district with my family as a young child in 1977 Hmm. um my wife karen and i moved out of the district for nine years we we lived up in douglasville Mm -hmm. uh shortly after we got married until about 10 years ago going on 11 years i think now Um, and then moved back into the district and uh yeah and moved our kids back into the district into uh into district schools uh about 10 years ago okay love the area uh, in, when we were first married to just Chester County, the, 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 the first house was, was, was tough to find. <laughs> yeah, so, right. yeah. So yeah, we, we, we moved out for a little while, but knew we'd find our way, uh, back down here as we did. Yeah. And, and Karen was, was not born in the district, but over next door in Westchester. So she's lived in this area all her life. Okay. All right. So you've got this pretty good perspective then you've got, um, you know, three children, you've, you know, um, you've got, you've had, you know, been at the elementary level, middle school level, high school level, and now a young adult who's in college. So you kind of have a pretty good perspective on some of the parenting challenges and issues and, you know, you're really active in the community. So you kind of have this like really big picture of both sides, you know, from the nonprofit side. From also, um, you know, the parenting and the family side. So I think when you like put that all together, what was it or is it about CTC that kind of like drew you in? And I know that we kind of like, um, like encouraged you to be part of CTC from, you know, you knew you had relationships and friendships with some of our CTC board members um, and folks over the years too, but kind of like, what was it about communities that care that sort of became, um, you know, your, your passion to do some doing more work in the community? What was it? Um, So first who was Cynthia Black, who's yeah. also a former board president. Um, and, and I think one of the founders, or maybe yes, a starter yeah, of yeah, CTC yeah. years yeah. and years ago. Yep. Yeah, really instrumental, right? CTC, it's been in the community since 2001 in different, you know, yeah. iterations of it. But Cynthia was really instrumental in the, you know, getting the um, 501c3 status and kind of like building the infrastructure for it and recruiting so many of us yeah. to be part of the work, yeah. which is why we are super excited with our board and our staff. But yeah. 
Yeah, so Cynthia, um, I, I own uh, UPS store franchises. That's what I do when I'm not uh, working on the board of CTC. Um, and Cynthia used to come into our store in Lionville a lot. Yeah. And she would do printing for CTC. And, uh, you know, I think Cynthia is a, a great relationship builder and she would talk awesome. about, you know, what she's doing. And I, I believe she was going through some some stuff with one of her kids at the time. This was a number of years ago, several years before I even became involved. And also at the same time, one of my brothers was going through some challenges with one of his children and uh, mental health issues and substance use issues. And um, maybe we could talk a little bit more later in the podcast. I, you know, I, I had my own issues when, when I was a kid. Um, so the work... Um, especially, you know, prevention and, and working to come up with uh, healthy alternatives, mm -hmm. you know, for kids, just it struck a chord with me. Yeah. And uh, Cynthia invited us, uh, myself and my wife, I guess probably a couple years after I met her, um, to a dinner uh, prior to COVID, you know, when we could all get together. Yeah. <laughs> publicly yeah. and, and, and not think too much about it health wise. Um, and, uh, I, I, at that time I had been, uh, donating, our business had been donating to CTC's cause for a little while. And, uh, I think it might've been part of a plan to get me on the board, but maybe always, not. Always, always. Yeah. Know. Had an award for us. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's how nonprofits, that's how we were. Yeah, you know, a, a community service award, a community partner award. And I guess probably about a year after that, actually just as, as, as COVID was, was going mm -hmm. into full swing where no, no one knew what was going on. That, that was when I yeah. joined the board. Mm -hmm. And it is, yeah. it is a slow burn of like pulling people in and building those relationships and things and the type of work that we do. Um, and also I can't help but plug, um, Cynthia did do an episode with us where she talks about, um, her journey with substance use disorder with her kids and her family. And I can link that episode up in the show notes too. Mm, with people on good idea. Because it's a great episode. Cool. That's a really yeah, good it, idea. It really so, was. so Dan and Christy, I really, I, I think that in, you know, in the work that we do, and probably in the nonprofit world, I guess in general, people are drawn to an organization's missions or their values statements, um, usually most likely because of own personal experience, right? Whether it's their own individual experience or their family experience or close friendships um, that kind of, you know, drive us to this work and sort of keep us going, you know, with, with this work. And I think that's the story that we hear quite a bit. And I think even our parent, you know, parent volunteers who join us uh, with CTC, other board members and staff, you know, we're all kind of, you know, coming at it from different places, but it, it tends to have, I think, a beginning in what we experienced. Because mm -hmm. um, you have to have a passion for the work. Yeah. And a dedication to it, right? Because it's, 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 it's a lot. And I think what keeps us going are sort of those, the, the reasons that we're here very personal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, yeah, for me, so we, there was a, we, we had an event, uh, a dinner a couple of years ago, and uh, I spoke a little bit about uh, my own journey uh, starting at a very young age. Um, you know, I, I, two parents, uh, four siblings, uh, you know, a loving household. Uh, I just, I, probably a number of factors, including uh, the three older brothers who like to get in trouble and, and, and the younger <laughs> oh. sibling who, who like to tag along. Mm. Um, I, uh, I, I, I developed abusive relationship with alcohol and later drugs at a very young age. I mean, like crazy young. Didn't really strike me until I was much older that it was, uh, you know, particularly unusual and unhealthy. But I, I think the first time I ever drank a beer, I was 10 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's so funny that you say that because I need to have a conversation with my 10 year old and I'm like, Oh, I just, because that's, that's the age though. It is like yes. 10, it's, it's young, 10, but it's not 10, uncommon. 11. It yeah. isn't like, it's, I think there's some stat out there and I can find it that says like almost half of kids by the age of 12, one out of three, mm -hmm. two out of three kids by the age of 12 have drank alcohol. Like yeah, they've tried. Mm -hmm. It's, 
It's not. Yeah, and the trying it, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that actually doesn't surprise me. You know, when I'm just with my friends or, or just out socially in public and, you know, I listen uh, to other parents and, and just the way adults talk about alcohol, especially, you know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I remember gateway drugs, you know, uh, marijuana and, and like it, alcohol was never really talked about, but yeah. like alcohol is just so embedded in oh, our yeah. culture. Like, I just think people don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't even realize often the way they're talking about it around youth and, and around their children. I think the whole conversation is this, it's like a thing to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's that unusual. Although when I think back, like ten. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it seems crazy to me thinking back on it now, but I understand how it's, you know, I almost feel like we, 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 we train our kids, not all of us, but I think there is a cultural thing where we're unwittingly training our kids to drink from drink alcohol from, mm-hmm. from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I hear teenagers who I don't think are, are talking about, you know, they'll some they'll talk about, oh, I can't wait till I'm 21 or, mm-hmm. or one of my nephews, you know, wants to move to Ireland or something because they're drinking yeah. 18, you know. Yeah. Less. Um, yeah, right. So, yeah, you know, that uh, that that pass I had is definitely something that that helped to your point, Bethan, a moment ago. The, the mission of CTC and, and the prevention mission, like really resonate for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, you know, if there was something like CTC when, when I was in school, you know, maybe I would have gone in another direction. I mean, you know, I ended up okay, but I think it was like a lot of dumb luck because, yeah. you know, I, um, I said, you know, 10 was the beginning, but you know, I like, I drank to intoxication when I was like a middle schooler. Really? More than once. And how did you have access? Was it, were you following along with your older brothers and somehow, or like, was it just pulling stuff from like the fridge in the garage? A ridiculously wide array of possible paths. And uh, I I utilized as many as I could. My parents' liquor cabinet, Mm -hmm. friends' Mm -hmm. parents' liquor cabinets. Mm -hmm. When they got a little bit older, my brother's. Um, you know, whether they were having a party, maybe yep. when my parents, you know, yeah. out of town or yeah, or, or maybe I would ask them other friends with older siblings. Um, I know now with me and my kids, like the older sibling thing is something to keep. Going. Oh yeah. The buying for the younger. <laughs> you know, I don't blame my brothers for anything. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, yeah. I was, I was more than happy at the time, but you know, it's like you're 12 and you've got 16, 18, 20 year old siblings. It's just. You know, there are things going on and things that you're going to witness and, you know, decisions you might make from that witnessing that just aren't, you know, the best. Were you able to then as a kid hold it together? Like, did you kind of have this recreational usage, but were able to still like get good grades in school, play sports, whatever, as you went through school and then went to college? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly how I pulled that off either. So, and I do believe, you know, and uh, this is me self-diagnosing years later, it, mm-hmm. I realized this maybe 10 years ago, I, uh, probably some social anxiety that, that oh, led yeah. me, you know, sure. to drink. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I had a couple in me or we're at a party or something, you know, everything was loose and fun. And then also, uh, to later start smoking pot, which was really basically at the beginning of mm-hmm. And somehow drinking recreationally and also smoking a lot of marijuana, I managed to get decent grades. And, you know, yeah, if I had not done any of that, who knows, maybe I would have been a rocket scientist. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might save some of those brain cells. Yeah. And I went yeah. to Catholic school. And, you know, to the question yeah. before about availability, that, you know, once I was in high school, like, you know, and I think my parents sent me, I mean, they're, they're, they're devout Catholics, so I'm, that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I get the sense that there was also an impression that, you know, well, it's a Catholic school, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a better environment than mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, that was definitely not the case. Um, 
Yeah. And so Dan, there are two things I want to I want to go back reflect on because I think that they are really kind of the, the norm normative attitude. I think the PC you talked about availability. If we go back to the Pennsylvania survey data and ask kids um, their sources and their availability, it's exactly what you said. They're gonna check the boxes of parents home cat liquor cabinets refrigerator in the garage with beer whatever um they're going to talk about older siblings um and they're gonna talk about older friends you know it's exactly what you said and then they couple it with we can't get caught we won't get caught or if we get caught it's kind of going to be okay. Like we're not, the consequence of getting caught is their perception is they're not, they're not susceptible to getting caught. And even if they do, eh, it's really not going to be that awful. I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to get lectured. Yeah. Yeah. So you have that combination. So I think that's, that speaks, even though, um, you know, you're talking about when you were a kid, the availability has not changed. No. Um, and now it's the medicine cabinet, too. It's the medicine cabinet. Right. It's the medicine cabinet. Now we're seeing the same exact answers coming up with vaping, mm-hmm. you know, yep. with marijuana use. I mean, it's the it's same thing. More things change you know? than where they stay the same. A la yeah, right. Disney. Yeah. Like, it, truly, right? like it is. It's just yeah. one of those things, like certain things just don't change. So. And I was at parent of course my kids are now 26 and 29 but i would they'd go to somebody's house i was that crazy parent hi um do you have like a gun cabin do you have guns and if you do are they locked and oh you know do you have a liquor cabinet or a bar in your basement you know and is that locked and it's like my poor kids we're like we just can't have friends we can't go anywhere mm-hmm. um because <laughs> i had to be that i had to know i you know so and that's an awkward thing as a parent you feel like oh my god these you know the other parents are going to think i'm just i'm crazy Mm -hmm. and so my kids think i'm crazy so i think that availability piece is really true but i also want to speak to the other thing you just said and as a parent uh, whose children went to private school okay um i there is a again a perception out there that there is some some kind of armor that comes with your kid doing certain things and and that armor might be playing sports and on some level, it's all true. Playing sports keeps your kids out of risky choices and behaviors. Yes, it does. It is a protective factor. You know, values, um, religiosity, church attendance, strong faith keeps your kids out of, yeah, it's a protective factor. You can then take that and just draw that line to, to private education, right? However, it doesn't mean that you get to abdicate your rights as a parent, right? So you can't just assume that those things, because your kid's in it, because I can also then make the argument for, we know drug and alcohol use, and I can, again, as a parent of kids in a private school, it existed. It still exists to this day. Kids are kids. Kids have friends all over the place. So, and also where there's a whole piece about athletes and substance use, athletes and mental health. So, I mean, Yes, they're protective factors, but I, I just, it doesn't mean you can be like, oh, because my kid does all these activities or goes to these places or attends school in a certain place, we're going to, we're going to miss that mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no guarantees. No guarantees. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you both know my wife, Karen, and she's she's fortunately more that person than me that, you know, like we're going to the door, I'm meeting the parents, you know, mm-hmm. especially yeah, when they were younger. And it, it, it is important because you don't know what everyone else is doing. And, and you know, parents could have the best intentions, but, you know, all these things, yeah. they play sports, they're whatever, in private school, you know, and it's not an abdication, I don't think, but just you think – you know, we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, not, 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 I'm not seeing anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing any indications of, of bad behavior. I think in general, you know, we, it's easy to get caught up in your own stuff, right? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm super busy, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff all the time. And if you, you know, it's easy to take your eye off the ball and it only takes a minute. Um, if your kid, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of times I know, you know, you're struggling a little bit psychologically, 
it's easy to, you know, to, to make a bad decision or a series of bad decisions that can really, you know, take you down um, yeah. a difficult path. Mm-hmm. And that's what, again, back to the attraction of CTC is this, you know, so many nonprofits that are dealing with, with children or substance abuse, mental health, they're, they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're, you know, they're, they're looking to, to step in and, and, and solve a problem that, that has arisen as opposed to CTC, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a double-edged yes. sword. It, it, it's, yes. prevent- it's, it's prevention. Yeah. You know, it took me until I was much older than a teenager to realize, you know, I need to go to the dentist and the doctor when I feel good, mm-hmm. not, not when I feel crappy. I mean, also when I'm not feeling well, but I really need to focus on going yeah. and doing those things when I feel good. Yeah. And that's one of the things that really excited me about CTC. Um, and I think it's also one of the things that makes it a little tricky for CTC to fundraise sometimes because, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard. A lot of times you could point to an organization to point to, you know, we're doing all this good and it's like measurable because like, look, you know, we, whatever, we saved this person or, or, you know, we turned this person around, you know, CTC is looking to, catch kids and families where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. when they're, when, when things are going big air quotes, well, yeah. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes, you know, yes. What yeah. could you, what could you've done? But, uh, I know two, two of the hardworking CT staff here with me, uh, on this podcast today and, and, and the other folks, it's just, it's, it's a really great organization doing, doing awesome stuff. And I'm, I'm proud to be, a board member. Well, yeah. and we're going to talk about that because, and you know, on the second half of, you know, how do we, you know, why this work matters and how do we maybe get other mm-hmm. parents to jump and kind of look at certain things and milestones through this like prevention lens. Um, it, because, you know, it's always like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure or whatever that saying is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go back really quick to ask you. So, because I think this informs why you chose CTC. Did you get to a point, because you made it so, just because I think this is, like, it's the personal piece of it that I think is important. Before we got on here, you mentioned this, just, like, saying, like, oh, I read your blog that I recently, you know, that I just wrote for this month. Like, did you get to a point where you were, like, so you made it through school, you made it through college, you did all these things. And it is one of those things where, you look back and go, oh my gosh, my kids are that age I was when I started doing this. Did you get to a point where you decided to just like stop using substances altogether? Like you kind of towed that line where you didn't necessarily need to access professional resources, but you kind of had your own reflections on your use and that informs how you parent? Yes. So I, uh, I'm, I'm totally comfortable talking about this. Okay. I just, I can't tell. I can't on zoom. Just, you look a little squirmy, um, but I can't tell. <laughs> no, no, totally comfortable. So I, uh, yeah, I kept drinking, you know, I mean, yeah, my twenties are pretty much a blur. Yeah, I graduated from college. I yeah. got decent grades. Uh, yeah. And you know, most people would have looked as, you know, it's just maybe a heavy recreational drinker, yeah. but I, I, I drank too much, um, and then and when I was younger, I I, I imbibed in in other uh, illicit substances too much. Yeah. Um, but it was mostly alcohol, and although by the time I quit, I did not you know avail myself of any particular intervention. Uh, there were definitely times, especially in my twenties, where I probably should have. Um, somehow, I managed to just kind of drink less yeah. as I got older. I met. A fantastic lady and got married and started to have, you know, we had children and I, I, I just kept kind of easing off, but always with alcohol, I was a big craft beer person. You know, I love the taste of wine. Um, even as I, I, I tailed off my use, it was always this thing like if I picked up a beer or a glass of wine or whatever else I might be drinking and my intention would be just to have a drink, but you never knew you know, like, and I was actually, um, 45 years old. So a little over 10 years ago, okay. we had a family birthday party for my mom and it was just one of those nights, you know, it was a party. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I imbibed a little bit too generously and 
uh, woke up the next morning and I was actually standing in my kitchen, leaning against the sink, having a glass of water. And my wife came downstairs and she's not particularly, you know, she's like, you know, you got to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, she drove me home. You know, we were responsible in that way. And, uh, and I agreed with her and I just said, yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done drinking. I'm going to stop this. Now. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I called everyone that I was with. I ended up calling like everyone I was real close with at the time. And I, I didn't really realize the import of this at the time, but I, I do now that I, I let them all know. I actually apologized to everyone. Um, most of them were like, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. And let them know I was done drinking, um, which was also interesting. You know, there were a lot of supportive people and there were a couple of people, some of my closest friends, you know, who I partied with the yep. most, yep. uh, had interesting reactions, you know. So like, they say, you don't have a problem. Right? You don't need you don't to quit, quit drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you just lay off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so, so it was kind of a, a cut like that, and and about ten and a half years later, I'm I'm really happy I did it. And yeah. you, I read your blog post, Chrissy, yeah. uh, I guess last week mm-hmm. um, about. And I think maybe I had overheard you say this, but I, I forgot that you had had uh, quit drinking just over a year ago now, right? Yeah. And uh, that really resonated with me. First of all, it was you know your your, your writing is always good, but it was really wonderfully written piece and. Yeah, it, it it really resonated. I I, I I could definitely see where you're coming from. My, my path was probably a, a little bit rockier and yeah. a little bit more abusive. Yeah. But, but the end point, uh, very similar. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah. It's, but it is, I think, and my point of this too, and it was a longer article when I originally wrote it, but I had to cut some stuff out. But it was, you know, here I am, the queen of drug and alcohol, sitting here working in this field forever, right? And I would always have wine like, you know, weekends, you know, before kids, like sometimes during the week or whatever, but it was, I actually found like, it really, it just got away from me in the pandemic. Like, and, and I was in, I was in that statistic of a mom that was a parent. I mean, everyone really, it wasn't even just that it was parents, you know, there's, they teased out some stats with parents, but it was really just like, everyone was drinking more. And to your point about the cultural influence, it was like, you know, hashtag quarantini and like, there's nothing else to do. So let's day drink. Like it was very pushed as like, this is how we're going to all deal with being home. And it wasn't until I really did that dry January reset where I was like, this is a very disordered, like I was seeing red flags in my own use. But the thing was, I didn't, I didn't have any big consequence. I didn't have, thankfully, like I didn't have a huge rock bottom. I thankfully didn't, you know, was I, I had worked with a therapist previous to this. And then I started working with a therapist a a little, like a year and a half ago. Um, So like that kind of got meshed in there too, but it's just, I guess the point is that you don't necessarily, there's a lot of gray in between and it's to think about, you know, substance use and, and your relationship with different substances where it's okay to question it and to break up with that substance without having like a huge big, terrible thing that happened or even using that thing every single day. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people be like, you don't have a problem drinking. Why are you quitting drinking? You love wine. Like, what do you, why? And I'm like, I do, but it's not really working for me anymore. And I felt like now it's very freeing not to think about moderating. Cause I really, anytime I ever had, I usually would drink wine. That was like my substance of choice. I could never have one. Like I couldn't, I could, I could stop it too. I would never drink and drive ever. Like, even if I was by myself and didn't have kids with me, like going out to dinner and stuff, I just wouldn't, it would freak me out too much. I just didn't like that to mix the two and whatever. So I would never drink and drive. But like, if I was at home or somewhere where, you know, my husband or somebody else was driving, like I, I could stop after a couple, but I, I very rarely would I ever just have one glass of wine ever. Like, so, and I just, my hope, well, I'm glad that resonated with you. Cause that was my hope in sharing, you know, that story also, because it's one of those things where I think that, I think also as you get older, like I turned 40, I'll be 41 in October. Like, I think as we get older, the, the theme that I hear from other people is like, I can't drink like I used to like my sleep, like everyone just is like, it messes with my sleep too much. I don't really feel good, but yet, or people, you know, will just say that they or just continue to use in ways that they used to even if it isn't necessarily serving them just because that's what we do um yeah 
But my hope was that it would resonate with other people that are maybe thinking like, well, is this something that I could do? I don't know. I, I feel very free from it. I feel very free not having to have the mental load of thinking about moderating or thinking about like, okay, do I have a bottle of wine? Okay. I just have to get to five 30 because then I can have a glass of wine, but only two glasses, not the whole thing. So then I'll have half the bottle left on Friday. Like you do all of these things. Like this is how fast my mind works. It does. And it's very freeing just not to have that mental load in my brain anymore. Um, and I sleep a lot better. My anxiety is a lot less. So not that That's I good. don't. So, and it's interesting to me that you said that you had social anxiety and that might be a reason, which is a very common reason why people will use substances because you are like one of in person and real, I mean, even on this, but like yeah. when I see you are like the most outgoing eccentric social yeah, person. Yeah. So this is very, it's a very interesting thing for you to mm-hmm. say that you have, that you were using for social yeah. anxiety, but maybe, I don't know, as a younger person, maybe you experienced it more. Well, I mean, I actually think I'm, I'm a, a, you know, and again, I compare myself to my wife. I, I'm a, you know, if I put myself up next to her, I'm a little bit of an introvert, but you know, that's, well, <laughs> that, that's a spectrum like so many and I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, I can be very outgoing and friendly, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, like being to myself with a quiet book mm-hmm. somewhere. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, back to the, to the drinking and quitting thing. You know, I think I was also very, I was very lucky that I, it oh, wasn't yeah. some crazy rock bottom, like some terrible disaster happened, you know, especially in my twenties, I think I created, you know, tons and tons of potential for that. I just, I just got lucky, you know, it's, that's all there is to it. Um, and, and before I quit, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I used to run triathlons. Whenever I was training, I would, you know, similar to what you were saying, you know, I would put my, I would go through these mental gymnastics yeah. about, you know, oh, I won't quit and drink while I'm training. And, you know, I'll just drink after I finish a race because like I'm rewarding myself. And, you know, I'd be on these runs. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, I really yes. quit drinking alcohol. And that was probably a good two or three years before I, I finally Yes. And that was the other thing too, is like, this was something that I kind of was considering for years. Like it was, it really was over a couple of years. Like it wasn't like a, a quick thing or whatever. And I do have the component of, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. He had alcohol substance use disorder. And then he was in recovery from that, but switched to other things. So, but he would always say, well, I don't drink alcohol anymore and then move to other things. So I have a very strong genetic component to this that, you know, we always talked about as kids and, or like we were told as kids, but back in the day, you know, it was like a thing of like, well, we don't talk to anybody about this. Like it was, it was seen as a thing, like we weren't allowed to Mm -hmm. tell other people like that, that's how it was. But not, but also at the same time, like, well, remember this runs in our family, but don't tell anybody about it, but remember it runs in our family. So it was that, that push and pull of that, but it's always been in the back of our mind that that genetic component of like, you got to kind of watch it. And then I think just as an adult, you start to reflect. So of how these experience, like you said, like you're going through your own stuff. And then once you get stable and get out of it, it's like, okay, well, how does this influence my parenting? How does this influence Mm-hmm. my kids how does this how can I make this path different for them than it was for me yeah so on the genetic component too I mean my family like alcohol and mental health I mean it's yeah it's a messy messy gene pool frankly um I and mean, different, you know Irish Catholic my parents probably uh, a little bit older than yours it didn't even get talked about within the four walls. No. Yeah. You know, nothing did. Yeah. And, and that's, hopefully my parents don't listen to this, but if they do, hopefully this is not an insult. Um, I, I think some of the best things I learned is, is, is watching how other people did it and, and, and assessing and saying, you know, I don't think that that way doesn't work for me. I think I'm going to try something different. And Fortunately, Karen had a very similar experience, I think, and similar takeaways where we are much more communicative with our children yeah. than our parents were with yeah. us. I think Karen's even better at that than I am. But, um, you know, growing or, or adulting and <laughs> starting to raise children and watching them grow up and thinking about, you know, one of the things I really work is like not as 
learn from from my childhood and my upbringing, but mm-hmm. like not have it like directly inform all of my parenting decisions because I think that would just be like completely panic parenting. Because as I watch mm-hmm. my kids, you know, my twelve year old, like I was mm-hmm. like drinking yeah. way too much, you know, and this kid is like he seems at least incredibly innocent to me, you know, and I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. like, you could actually live like that? Wow, that's really nice. So I don't want to freak them out, but as, as they get yeah. a little bit older, we definitely talk about, you know, Karen's great. With the kids go out, they go, you know, don't drink. Uh-huh. You know, the, the two older ones are girls, so, you know, it's like it only takes once. Like, let's be really careful and thoughtful about what we're doing, and we do everything we can to um, – to foster conversation, you know, not just yeah. to, that was one of my, like the lectures, you know? <laughs> so I don't want to, that, that's one of the ways I'll positively inform my parenting. Don't want to sit them down and just, you know, right. we'd love to be able to yeah. listen at least as much as we're speaking, if not yes. more so, and, you know, develop that rapport with our kids where they feel comfortable. You know, we're also very, uh, the, the older ones, especially it's like, look, you get jammed up, you're in trouble. Shay, you're down in Philadelphia. You got a problem. You need to reach out. You need us. Just call mm-hmm. us. There are there are no consequences. Just give us yep. a call if we need to come and get you. If you feel like you're stuck, um, you know we'll come get you. You know we have like some secret yeah. words and stuff like that if they're on the phone. And sure. <laughs> yes. Same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I work hard not to be too freaked out by my children as they're going through their different stages and, and, and putting too much of like what I yeah. was. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Thankfully it's, yeah, it appears even my, like how my 19 year old exists down at school. Maybe she's really, really good at hiding it, but I don't think so. We've got a good relationship and, and we talk a lot. The way she functions is just like, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's not yeah. that's not from these genes. Right? That's for sure. Um, but you know, I'm not I'm not questioning it too much. I'm 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 super excited and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I just I, I hope that that all my children keep on the paths that they're on. We do everything we can, but we understand we can't do everything. You know, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, that the, the, there's a, a fair amount of mental illness, both my mom and dad's side, especially my mom's side. So definitely as, you know, the kids like reach puberty and, you know, there's certain times that like things can, that can crop up a little bit in the back of the mind, Mm -hmm. just, just to keep an eye on it. And we're real communicative around that. I've, Karen's done some therapy. I've done some therapy and, uh, you know, we always keep that out there as, as an option for the kids, just some, some CBT that, you know, just have someone to talk to that's not crazy with all that. Oh, you're going to judge me, mom. You're going to judge me. Yeah. But I do like when you, I like your term, the panic parenting. It's a, it's a balance, right? It's a balancing act because you're aware of your past. You're aware of your family. You're aware of all the stuff going on, all the boogeymen there hiding out there in society with all this stuff, right? But you can't put that all on your kids and you can't, you can't be in that constant state of control and panic so I think it's important that you know it and you recognize it, but you, slow, you, you deal with it when it's appropriate, right? I mean, you just can't yeah. be constant like, oh, no, no, you know, you're, you you look like your great aunt, whatever, or you said that like you're, no, I mean, you know, like, you know it and they know it, but you you got to be really careful there. Yeah, because yeah, you can, you can do all those things, like it's a decision. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it might not show up right away, but it just doesn't work. Like it doesn't work for the relationships. You know, to parent from that place is just you know. And I think a lot of people do it. And I'm I do it sometimes. I, I, oh, sure. I do. But yeah. I I work to be real real conscious about it and not like yeah. Basically, you know, like create from my past what they're going to do. So we have more to talk about with Dan, and we will do that after a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Chrissy, how are you? Hi, Cheryl. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for the parent-to-parent groups to start up again. I'm excited to see everyone. I know. Me too. Almost everyone that attended in the spring said they would be returning too. So what are some of the topics this year? 
We have some really good ones planned. Our topics include sibling dynamics, family culture, balancing the busy, and more. I'm sure it will inspire some great conversations. And it's still every month starting in October, right? Yes. Each group meets once per month from October to May. Okay. Where do I go to register? I need to do this right now so each session is on my calendar. Go to dtownctc.org and click the Parent to Parent tab. If you select groups, you'll find the details. Perfect. I'm registering right now. I can't wait to see everyone. Me too. I'll see you real soon. We're back. So Dan, is there anything that has surprised you as a parent since you have started working with CTC and kind of starting to view parenting through this prevention lens? Hmm. Uh, I've definitely learned a lot. Like, you know, I don't think that I had any understanding of what pays was uh, prior to my experience with CTC. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's like every other year. So, and I just think my kids like all happened to fall in the year it wasn't. So that wasn't my first experience. I think I, I'd hear from it from I'd hear about it from the school, and I I don't think my wife or I would be those parents who would you know not want our kids to see that. But it just yeah we, we didn't we didn't experience that. Um, again, talking about my experience as a young person, like I don't there's just not a lot around being a young person in school that could surprise me too much. Mm-hmm. I think. Watch one of my kids will surprise me tomorrow after I said that. Um, but I, I guess surprise might be a strong word, but one of the things that I noticed, and it might be a misperception, it, it, this day and age, it, it seems to me that you know people are still kind of afraid to talk about substance use issues, yeah. or health issues you know, outside of, and and maybe it is just outside of their, you know, whatever immediate family or or very tight knit friend group, you know, hopefully it's at least happening there. Um, But uh, I I guess I just, I would like to see more of that. I'd like to see Mm -hmm. more open conversation in the community, you know, continuing to break down, you know, those barriers about, you know, mental health and the importance of it and, and, you know, the steps that could be taken for, for people to, you know, live uh, a mentally very healthy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Even all these years later, I guess it just comes back to the, uh, to everything about prevention, right? Um, sometimes you sadly don't become really involved in this and these conversations and this work until there's a strong reason to, or, a or a tragedy or something does happen. Um, so I kind of think that even with, you know, on one hand, there's everything is out there. Like everything is on the table. Everybody sees, hears, knows, it seems everything. But yet our comfort level with the conversations hasn't really got up to speed to that. And so we still have, and we still have the perception that, oh, if I go to this parent program or I go to this, it's going to look like I have a problem. My family is a problem. My child is a problem. I don't want to give that impression or I'm not doing something right. You know, I'm making a mistake as a parent, maybe so that, you know, my whole credibility thing then and what others think. So we keep saying that there shouldn't be that sort of hesitation, but yet I still think that there is that, that hesitation. And as long as things are going along quietly, folks don't feel the sense of urgency to take part in programs or seek things out because we've, we've had parents, you know, when we're casually at a table at an event, handing out information and, you know, we'll hear the a parent might say, oh, I don't have to worry about that yet. Oh my gosh, my child's only in elementary school. Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're still sixth grade. It's really not quite secondary yet. It's okay. We don't need to know that just yet. And I know that on one hand, I, I, I think they truly do believe that, but I think there's also a fear to that too, a, a little bit. And I, I don't know what we don't know, won't, you know, whatever us, but um, I don't know. I, that still, in all of these years, it's like my 40th year in prevention. I've never seen that change. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. even back in the day when we didn't have the internet and I was doing prevention work, um, it still has not changed, even though your child has access to that and more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's probably like a really tough line that, like you said, you know, the parent, I'm sure I went through this when it's hard to remember some of my kids being that young. But, you know, it's like, oh, it's too early. Like, it's too early to talk about it until it isn't. And, 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 you know, you don't really, you know, you don't know when that happens. Like, there's not a, there's just not a hard line anywhere. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, 12 and a half, mm-hmm. you know, 12 years old in 263 days. That's the time that you should start talking to your child yeah, right. about substance issues or, yeah. you know, mental health issues. Like, it's just, yeah, you know, it's not, a, it's not a thing like that. And I think most people, and I totally understand it, want to err on the side of, oh, no, they're, they're just, they're too young and innocent to talk. Let's about. just keep that little, I wish we could. Well, be the first one to hey, want to wave that magic wand. That's over me. That. I'm in the field and I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, like we were at a birthday party and there was alcohol provided, you know, for like a daytime thing. And there was alcohol provided for parents, whatever. But I had the thought afterwards of, hey, that could have been an opportunity where my 10 year old could have easily drank alcohol or tried it for the first time because a kid could have snagged a couple beers out of a cooler gone around the corner been like hey everybody let's try this for the first time i could maybe it did happen and i don't know about it i don't know but i'm like here i am sitting here on this podcast going okay let me write a post-it note need to talk with 10 year olds about what to do in these (laughs) situations and i'm in the field and i'm like Mm -hmm. up didn't do that yet we've had not recently we've had peripheral conversations about things and stuff, but I need to do that. And then also like, you know, throw in the bomb of like our genetic predisposition for substance use disorder, like just lay it all on them or, and then also (laughs) piled on top of the fact that this is a kid that hates to talk about feelings or any like eye to eye direct contact. So I'm gonna have to like, take them for a walk or like do something and be like, Hey, how was school? Whatever. Did you know that alcohol use disorder runs in our family? Like I somehow unload this on him in a sly way because you know, it wasn't until after the fact that we had this, you know, like that's the, it's like back to what we were saying at the beginning. That's the age. Like this is the age where like there's the danger zone. This is, this is the not too young. This is the, where Mm -hmm. the conversations have to start that often and early. That's what we're touting all of the time. So, and I do think this podcast, that's a part of this in the work that we do at CTC is to try to, you know, just talk about all the things. I mean, clearly I don't have a problem doing that, but even so, like I do in a way too, you know what I mean? I think it's given me an opportunity to writing this blog and doing this blog post of being a little less filtered and guarded because my hope is by sharing my stuff that it will help other people. And I think a lot of people, including obviously this conversation today, Dan, with you, with our other board members and staff are, can be very open and say, well, this is how this impacted me. And I feel like my experience, what I've learned in those lessons can help other kids, can help other parents and families. And that's the important piece of this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Agreed. So as we, as we kind of wrap up our, our podcast here this morning, um, so Dan, as our CTC board president, you kind of have a different lens now, I think, on, on CTC and the work that we do in our mission and, and our, our programs and resources for, uh, for parents and youth. What would you tell parents that uh, maybe listening to our podcast today, why this prevention work matters? Yeah, why it matters. So, you know, again, as we talked about earlier, you know, it's it's so it's like there's not a thing you can point. Look, look, look at your kids. They grew up. They went through the hype club, and look, they're like well balanced. You know, kids who like don't have substance use issues. You know, they 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 go to therapy regularly. They address their mental health issues. You know, trying to draw that line like mm-hmm. to from one to the other is you know is a really it's probably kind of impossible. Um, but I just think, you know, the more points of contact you can have with Mm -hmm. youth where you're delivering positive messages, where you're able to, uh, have peer groups share positive experiences or even share, you know, troubling or negative experiences that they work through, you know, through talking and interacting in a positive way, um, has it's just a good thing that is going to strengthen the community and is going to lead to, you know, a stronger 
uh, more productive and positive next generation. Um, you know, I love the idea of the parent groups. You know, I think anything we can do to get peers talking to peers about about positive stuff or about avoiding negative stuff or mm-hmm. how, to, how to work on those things, it, it's just, it, it brings a benefit to the entire community. And if we get parents talking, especially parents of young children, you know, to start them talking about being comfortable. Okay. So maybe you're not going to, you know, be in a big group of people, but at home, you know, talk to your 10 year old, talk to your 11 year old. Um, you know, especially, you know, again, without panic parenting, but, you know, informing, in, in, in informing your conversations with, with your past experience, or, or maybe sometimes actually, informing your conversations with things that you didn't experience because, you know, we've all had different experiences and nothing says that our experience growing up is going to be the same as our kids. So, yeah, you know, it's, I just think it's really, really important uh, that we're having these conversations and that to the greatest extent possible, the community is coming together and, and supporting each other. You know, hopefully, like when times are really quiet and peaceful mm-hmm. and everything seems to be going swimmingly, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's that's the way, you know, we keep things moving in a positive direction. That is prevention. That Thank you. Yeah. No, it does. That is prevention, yeah. though. I mean, that is prevention. doing the things now when nothing's wrong, when before anything's happened. Right. It's all the before. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and we've talked about that a lot, just the a lot of things where, you know, things have happened and people would say, if I could go back in a time machine, I should have, could have, would have done X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? So that's our push is to say, well, do the X, Y, Z now. To go back to an earlier analogy, I I do not like the dentist. Um, (laughs) My parents took me to a bad dentist when I was young. So I, I hated the dentist and I probably didn't go for several years when I was younger. I would rather have my teeth cleaned a hundred times uh-huh. than have one root canal. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, it goes with everything. Yep. Prevention is the best. And, you know, it also goes with everything societally, culturally, kind of in a lot of different areas. We don't like put a lot of credence on prevention. I mean, look at health insurance, you know, it's, it's geared to major, massive yes. life-saving interventions. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know, Actually, our whole healthcare system is. Yeah. And not so much, you know, the simple, mm-hmm. easier, yep. and usually far less expensive, you know, yeah. preventative work. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dan, I learned so much about you today on this podcast. Thank you so much for... Not too much. No, it's all good stuff. Thank you for coming to Zoom because we Zoom when we record. So thank you for coming to our Zoom land and podcast land yeah. to share everything with us and chat with us today. It was my pleasure. Uh, I love listening to these podcasts. I love the work that you both do. And I really appreciate all your hard work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you everyone for joining us today. You will find information and links to everything we talked about in the show notes. And you can also follow me, Chrissy, on Instagram and Facebook under my CTC Chrissy name um, for other information and links related to the podcast and other resources. Make sure that you are clicking subscribe or follow that little check mark in your app that you're listening to us in so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes. And of course, if you're liking our podcast, we would love it if you would share it with a friend, send it to somebody, post about it on social media and tag us. That would be great. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.